This is our last sermon. This is our last sermon, I believe, in this particular uh, series. Our series is Culture Code, and today our title is Tug of War. Write that down, Tug of War. Tug of War. Now, we're getting ready for Shake the Nations, obviously. Shake the Nations is just around the corner, I guess about a month or so away. Uh, we're getting ready for passing it on in secession, but, but we want to mix it today with secession, but also where AWC is right now. And I want to make some clarifying statements as we go. Is that all right? Okay. So tell your neighbor, everything is not as it seems. Okay. So the idea is that you could be looking at something and discern what it is, but it's not as it seems at all. I will never forget, I'll never forget, I was in, in a service with a really classy speaker. I won't say his name, just classy, has great stories, and he was telling two stories, so I'm going to share his stories. One of his stories went like this. A family decided to go to Disney. They'd never gone to Disney before. Family of five, they had little children. And while the father was walking with his little daughter at Disney World, as he was walking, someone came up behind him and snatched up his two-year-old daughter and began to run with her. Yes, snatched her up and began to run. Well, all of a sudden, his daughter's taken out of his hands. He sees her running in the, in the arms of a man through the crowd, weaving in and out. In his mind, you, would have, you, know, you know what he did. He began to chase them. He began to chase the man with his daughter and began to scream, Stop him! Stop him! He has my daughter. As he got closer, something weird happened. His daughter was laughing. He picked her up, running with her, and she's laughing back at her father. So the father is trying to figure out, Honey, this is serious. He's taken you. He's stolen you. He's getting away with you. Then he heard his daughter say, You're so funny, Uncle Harold. Well, it was the first Disney vacation for his brother, too, who decided to surprise them and show up at Disney. So he grabbed the daughter. Now he's running with her. She always played with Uncle Harold. Not funny. Okay. That's the way life is. You can be scared half to death and weirding out about something, and it's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. Here's, 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 a, here's a good one. I'll try to tell it with taste. Okay. Uh, a man is in the airport, so he decides, you know, before I get on the next plane, I need to go to the restroom. So when he got to the restroom, he walked into one of the stalls and took a seat. While he's sitting in the stall, he hears these words. How you doing? He doesn't answer, so the voice says it again. How you doing? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? How are you doing? He says, uh, fine. The next question is, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He says, uh, same thing you are. Then the voice says, I can't wait to see you. I'm getting closer now. I can't wait to see you. So excited to see you. To, to, to see me? Yes. Excited to see you. I'm longing to see you. Uh, what are you wearing? <laughs> you already know where I'm going. He says, I think this is really inappropriate. The guy next to him says, I'm sorry, honey. The idiot next door to me thinks I'm talking to him. Things are not always the way they seem. And sometimes when you're in a church like ours, with so many people and diversity and deep vision, you can think one thing is going on and it's actually not what you think it is. What you have fixed in your mind is not actually what's happening. It's something else. It's deeper. And in some cases, it's not as sinister as you think. Tell your neighbor, it's not what you think it is. So when we chose the title, Tug of War, we want to explain something to you and hopefully share it in a way that it makes sense. So I guess I'm starting. So I want to read a few scriptures to you in, second, I mean in 1 Chronicles 22. 
First Chronicles 22 is uh, this wonderful story of David. David and Solomon who are, who are in the middle of a major change. David is about 60, between 60 and 65 years old. In other words, he has, he has 10 to 5 years to prepare his son Solomon for what's next. He has time to do that, to prepare for what's next. We're going to pick up in 1 Chronicles 22, 5 through 13. And Josh and I are going to share. Uh, I have three points, and Joshua has three points. And then we want to show you something at the end. It says, now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. My son is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. Famous and glorious throughout all countries. So I will now make preparation for it. So David abundantly prepared, uh, abundantly preparations before when? His death. Before his death. Before his death, he began to make preparations. Then he called his son Solomon, this is verse 6, and, and charged him to build the house of the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build the house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you. So this is before Solomon is even born. A son shall be born to you, right? And you shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, God even names him, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. Sometimes you give birth to a child, and they're not yours. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now he says to Solomon, now my son, here's his instructions. May God be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the, keep what? <clears throat> that you will keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper. Only if you keep the law of God will you prosper. If you take care to fulfill the statutes, the judgments which the Lord has charged Moses concerning Israel, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now I want to go to the 28th verse. A lot happened. I'm sorry. 28th chapter. Tug of war. 28th chapter. I'll get this reading, then I'll make my point. All right? First Chronicles 28, 1 through 10. <clears throat> now David assembled, this is, this, this is, a, this is a, a few years, this is a couple of years later. Watch what he says. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes. Listen to what he does. He gathers the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions whom serve the king. The captains over thousands, the captains over hundreds, the stewards over all substance and possessions of the king and his sons with the officers, the valiant men and all of the mighty men of valor. Then King David rose to his feet and said, hear me, my brethren and my people, I had it in my mind. So he tells the whole story again. I had it in my mind to build, but God says, no, you can't build. Verse four, however, the Lord God of Israel chose, chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever, forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler and the house of Judah, the house of my father. And among the sons of my father, he, has, he, ha, he was pleased with me to make me king over Israel. Notice a lot of scripture, hang in there. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons. David had a lot of children. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. So now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house, my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be with 
his I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. We read that. Let's go down to the ninth verse. As for you, my son Solomon, know the Lord of your father. Know the God of your father. Don't create another one. We don't need another God. We don't need another vision. We don't need another thing. We don't need another name. We don't need another character. We don't need another thing. Your father went to war to build a relationship with God. You don't need the change. Same God. Maybe it's a different plan, different era. Same God. Are y'all here at all? Okay. Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. We can't do that. I discern your thoughts. You a witch. If you seek him, if you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off and the kingdom, everything we built will be lost. You forsake your natural mother and father, everything they built is lost, including what their mom and dad did and the mom and dad before them for generations. So children obeying your parents at home is not just about you obeying your parents at home. It's about keeping the lineage of prosperity and power in your whole family. All right? So he says, uh, he will be found. Let me finish this. So consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build the house of God. So here's the, here's the point I want to make at first. Joshua is going to give you three points from the honor side. This is a discussion about honor, tug of war. He's going to give you three points from the honor side, honor and how to honor what has been, what God has said, where he's brought us from. And I'm going to give you three points from the respect side. Respect. Honor and respect come together to make a powerful vision. So from respect, from the respect side, I want to say it's important for us, AWC, to respect the next generation. It is important for us to respect the voices that's God, that God is raising in our house. We have to listen. L let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you how, how I sort of see this. We, we, have to, we have to begin to embrace this idea that God is birthing in our house. This is what I mean by embrace. What God has next for you in your life, what God has next for us in our ministry, right? This is what we have to understand and embrace. There are going to be things that God wants done next that we haven't done yet. So it's important for you to embrace your children. They are a little weird. But weird means, when you say your children are weird, it simply means they're thinking higher than you. <laughs> That's all. They want to understand why you still have a flip phone. They don't understand that. They're trying to figure mom and dad out. Why are, why are you doing this? This doesn't, this doesn't make sense. It's not that they're weird. They're just finding shortcuts to long answers that we have. And they're, <laughs> yeah. and they're trying to convince us. So now, so now watch this now. If we are smart, we will understand something that they didn't understand back then. Can I explain it? Saul is in a battle with the Philistines, same enemy. Am I right? Same enemy, different tactics. Philistine decided, we're going to send out a champion. Now, Saul, know who, now, he knew how to fight when it was army against army. He knew the tactics when everybody's on the field, everyone's at battle. He knew how to run as a phalanx. He knew how to keep the Ark of the Covenant in front of him. But the Philistines switched up on him. The Philistines showed up and said, you know what? We're not going to fight y'all. Y'all not going to fight us. Send us one. Well, Israel didn't know how to fight with one. So for 40 days, Saul is in the trench trying to figure out... Uh, do we got anybody to go fight this guy? He's 13 feet tall. <laughs> He's a warrior since he was born. We don't know how to fight him. So every day, 
Goliath would come out and yell and scream at them. David shows up with some cheese and some bread. He's 16. And, and Goliath comes out talking trash. Y'all ain't got no man to stand against me. You got a couple days and we win. Saul says, I don't know. Saul is in the trench. David shows up and says, who is that? Oh, that's Solomon. He's come to defy the armies of Israel. David said, well, why don't somebody kill him? David went to his older brother and said, Eliab, go kill this dude. He talking trash. He talking about God. He talking about all y'all. Just go kill him. They didn't know what to do. David said, I know what to do. I'll kill him. They said, you can't kill him. You're a boy. He's been fighting all his life. David said, ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. Some problems I see, this guy don't even see the problem. He'd be like, oh, yeah, just do this and do that and move on with your life. I'm like, no, son, we got to pray. We got to fast. We got to seek God. He said, we ain't got to seek God. Daddy, give that to me. Go home. Take mama to dinner. I'll handle that. And with a slingshot in two minutes, what I've been praying about for 10 years is done. See, the, the battles are going to shift on us. Some of us, it's our job to just be Saul. We don't need to put no armor on them. We don't need to give them our sword. They got a slingshot. It may not look like the tool we used, but it will work in our future. And we have 70, 80-year-olds with new ideas. They're not just 15, 16, or 20. They have new ideas sitting right next to you. Those new ideas that point us to our future, it's just a slingshot. We've got to embrace our future. Embracing our future doesn't say there's something wrong with our past. It just says we believe. So, Pastor, it just looks like you, looks like you Pastor Linnell, you and Josh, y'all in a tug of war. When you're in meetings with me and Pastor Linnell, we're tugging at because we want what's best. And people can misunderstand that. All we're trying to do is, we're trying, it's not a war. It's not what you think it is. It is us going back and forth so we can find out, God, what are you saying? What works? What works in this hour? What's going to bring us better to our future? So we have to embrace it. Say embrace it. Solomon, so Solomon, so what you got to know about Solomon no, 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 I'm going to just say I this. I was supposed to teach with you. I'm up here. Man, I'm Hold on. Cold. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be finished in a minute. No, it's your show. <laughs> if, if someone had come to David and said, uh, this is my child, then another lady said, uh-uh, that's my child. David would have set up a court, took him to court, had all the judges and everybody there. It would have taken weeks to settle this. Solomon shows up. One lady says, it's my baby. The other lady says, it's my baby. Solomon said, give me a sword. I'm late for lunch. He put the baby up by one leg, took the sword and say, I'm just going to split him in half. I'll give one half to each of y'all. And the lady said, uh-uh, just give it to her. Give it to her. The other lady says, fine with me. Cut him in half. He said, now, this chick over here is a fool. She acting up. It ain't her baby. Because if it was her baby, she'd say, give it away. The baby really belongs to her. And if it was yours in the first place, you don't deserve a baby. I'm going to give it to this woman. Let me go to lunch. I'm talking about five minutes. While we're wrestling with some things, there's a generation among us. Their thoughts are higher than ours. The way they handle things is different. And they're here because we built space for them. We must embrace them. Oh, I got to teach. Somebody say OG. OG. Triple OG. Man. Okay, so I just want to sit. No, so no. I got three points for you. Say three points. So pastor's speaking eloquently on the respect side, and I'm speaking on the honor side. One of our culture codes here is honor and respect. I want you to write this down. This is what it means. Write it down. If you don't, just lie to me, like I say all the time. Just put your phone in front of me. You're probably playing the game. No big deal. This is what honor and respect means at this house. Honoring means that we honor those thoughts, those mindsets, and the ideas that brought us to this point. But we also respect the ideas and the people that are going to take us into our future. 
But this is another one of our culture codes that I want you to write down. It's called collaboration. Can you say collaboration? collaboration. Look at your neighbor and say collaboration. collaboration. In a nutshell, our culture code of collaboration basically means this. It's going to take those that brought us and those that are taking us to get to where God wants us to go. So that's generationally. That's culturally. That's ethnic. That, that, that's every single creed, every single category of people. It's going to take us to get there. So yeah. many times when, uh, when you look at different like societies or you look at places that fail, at some point along the line, this new regime of people forget about the people that brought them. Come on. Come on. Any parents in the room? Kind of sounds like this. I'm grown. <laughs> I heard a mom say, sure you are. Right? But I, I will tell you a story. So one, one time I was feeling myself. You say feeling yourself? Me and my dad were wrestling in the front of the house, and my mom was like, if ever it comes to a point where y'all are fighting, like, just take it somewhere else, and I think it's broken. Me and my dad are wrestling. Me and my dad are wrestling. I'm like 13, 14 years old. And any men know what I mean when you say, like, you smelling yourself? <clears throat> like, at some point, it's like when you stank, like, but you smell, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of grown now. So I had this moment where me and my dad are wrestling, and it went from playtime to it got real. Like, it went from playtime so it got real. So my dad jumps on my back. I'm 13 years old, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm that guy. So I like squat him, and I throw him on the couch, puts a giant hole in the wall. But let me tell you something. When you think you know something's real, that there's always a greater force bigger than you. So mom walks into the room. Dad's married to her, so he was like, pointed at me. <laughs> I'm sitting there weirded out. But, but one thing that I realized is that I had a moment in that, I had a, had a choice in that moment. Am I going to blame it on him starting the rough housing with me, or am I going to take the responsibility for the hole in the wall? Am I, going to, am I going to try to publicly embarrass my father, or am I going to do the one thing in honoring him and embarrassing myself for the glory of where we're going? Now, to you, it might just seem like it was just playing in the, in like in the, uh, in the living room, but that's how a lot of our lives look. Another story about David is that David had an opportunity to embarrass Saul at some point in time. He had this opportunity to kill him when they were in a cave, but he decides to do one of two things. He doesn't kill him. He cuts, who am I talking to? He cuts off a piece of his robe to show him. I want to know how many of you are willing to honor people in a place where you are justified in embarrassing them? So God basically gave me a moment. He says, so are you going to publicly embarrass him or are you going to in private hold him up? So I'm here to talk about honor. Is that cool? That was my intro. His intro was lit, but mine's pretty sober. So this is my point. Honor is felt, not just given. Can you say that? Honor is not just. Some of the things that we do as honorable may not be received as such. Um, I, I use this, this, this uh, analogy of gifts. Anybody ever received a gift before? Sometimes somebody can give you a gift out of honor, but they miss honoring you. One thing we have to understand, and I'm not just saying young people, but honor goes across the board. It's every single person. One thing we have to understand is that sometimes I can do something to honor Pastor Martin, but if he doesn't feel honored, I failed. So the question is, how do you honor? And this is what I want to give you. Number one, you got to ask, what can I do in this situation to help you feel honored? What would happen if we started asking that question before we started using our energy to try to give, some, give people something that they never asked for? You ever got a gift and it was exactly what you didn't want? What do you do? You open it up and you go, oh, thanks. An avocado. I love guacamole, right? But what would happen if when it came to you asking somebody, what, what do you want from me? Like, what, 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 what could I give you that would make you feel honored? These are the four things that we have to understand. Number one is to ask questions. Whenever I get into the situation where I think I know what I'm doing, I automatically know I'm wrong. Because I'm putting myself in a position where I'm trying to lead in a place where I should be following. Come wake on. up. Look at your neighbor say, wake up. Wake up. Look at your neighbor say, wake up. wake up. What are some areas in your life where you're trying to lead where you should be bowing and following the person in front of you? What would happen if you started to ask questions before you make decisions? What would happen if you started to ask questions before you take another step forward? I think in a lot of ways, well, I know in a lot of ways, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble. The second thing that we have to do is set up your consideration framework. This basically means, what does it look like? Like, like what does it look like? In, in, in our family, we, we use language all the time. Like, that's one thing that we champion is how we talk. In moments when, we, when we're talking, we'll ask this question. When somebody says, hey, I want you to respect me, we don't just say, okay, I bet and leave. We ask, 
What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, what does that look like? <laughs> if you practice this in your home, I promise you it will help you out. Like, you know what? You just need to respect me because I'm your father. Your children should have the opportunity, if you're creating the right household, to be able to ask you, okay, dad, I'm going to respect you, but what does that look like? Well, respect in our house looks like if you ever see anything that needs to be done in the house, you do it. Respect in our house is that even if you got something against me in public, you never embarrass me in public. A lot of the times I think that we're dishonoring people because we don't even know what the person likes. Here's another point. Get the commitment from each party. Say each party. In the process. Many times honor and respect doesn't work because people are not communicating. People, we're not talking to one another. We're not telling you what, like, it's, it's like, like uh, in, in a relationship, I can't love my mother the way that she wants me to love her if I don't ask her how she wants to be loved. Because I might think that giving her gifts is loving her, but her thing may be quality time, which means just be with me. I don't want your gifts. What if you in your life started asking people what they wanted from you before you just started to give it? You'd probably save a lot of time, a lot of energy. Yeah. Listen to this. There are three parts when it comes to commitment. Every person has to promise to do these three things. Write these down, please. In order for honor to work, every person has to engage, communicate, and pray. What did I say? So many times um, in families and relationships and businesses, we'll have a meeting or you'll have a conversation and everybody, will, have you ever heard like, is, are, are we clear? You ever heard that? Are we clear? Does everybody know where we're going? And everybody does what? They say yes and they leave the room. But what if we started to hold each other accountable before we left the room? The first thing is to engage. The first thing is this. Once we leave this room, you have to go and think on this. You need to be chewing on this. Like if we're going to make this decision as a family, then we need to be wrestling and struggling with this together. If dad brings an issue to the table, he might be the one making, oh my God, he might be the one making the decision, but all of us are chewing on it. Because his one decision, who am I talking to this morning? His one decision is going to affect all of us so we can carry the load by wrestling with a chunk of it. Because it's impossible to move forward to making a decision if the rest of the people that are supposed to be with you are fighting the idea. The second thing is to communicate. Can you say communicate? communicate. Families don't talk. This would never happen if I wasn't able to be totally 100% transparent with the man behind me. Say transparency. And the last one is to pray. The only way that you honor God and that you honor people is that you engage in what's happening. You communicate how you feel. But the last and probably the first one should be you got to be in communication with God because he's the one that's taking you in that direction. The minute that the enemy can get you to shut your mouth. The minute he can get you to feel embarrassed to lift your hands, the minute he can get you to the point where you feel embarrassed to drop to your knees, he can do anything he wants with you. So we have to make sure that our lines of communication and prayer are open. Was, was that all three of yours? That was one. You're done? That's one? Sure, I can be done. No, I just wanted to know. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're being funny. No. Oh, okay. So my second one is accept. Accept. We embraced, now we accept. Write this down. Let's accept our situation for what it is, not for what we hoped it would be, dreamed it would be, longed for it to be. Accept your life right now where it is. Don't get stuck in, wow, there were a bunch of mistakes. We could have done it better. You could have, but that's done. It's done. Let's accept. Let's accept who's not here. Let's just accept it. Let's accept who's struggling to stay. Right. Because we can't change, manipulate, or convince people. It's a waste of energy. Just accept it. Accept your children the way they are. (coughs) Don't try to change them. Make them somebody different. And if anyone else looks at your family and tries to judge it, just tell them, leave my kids alone now. (laughs) We'll walk through this. I accept my son where he is now. Let me tell you what happens if you don't. If they never feel accepted, they'll never grow. People have to feel like they're accepted where they are. 
Well, I heard, I, heard about, I heard about your son. I heard about your daughter. I heard about this on Facebook. I heard about this on Instagram. Yeah, so I do too. That's why I have Facebook. I don't need Facebook. I got Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, everything on here so I can check on them and the comments other people make. But they have full acceptance by their father. Full and complete. Totally all the time. So don't get that weirded out. In the same way, to protect this house, we have to accept our leaders the way they are. The ones who've been here. The ones who are being raised up. The ones who have a voice. The ones who are thinking. We have to simply accept them. And now, and when I say, when I say accept them, The caveat is this, and I want you to hear me. I refuse, because I'm staying. I'm here. Right? Right? I don't know if I'll be in a casket up here in a little urn. I don't know how it's going to work out when I'm finally gone. But I'm here. (laughs) And I have to pass this on now in the next couple years. This next leadership has to rise. Because my answers are for something else. Their answers are for here. But here's what I'm saying to you. Please write this down. I will never be interested in a millennial church. A church full of millennials. I said write it down. We do not want or need a millennial church. We don't need a bunch of young people that think they know everything and ain't nobody to help them tell them that's that's foolish. The millennials are like, ooh, we don't want no millennial church? No. You know what happened in Africa once they took the bull elephants out of the herd? They took the bull elephants out of the herd for one week for medical care. One week. One week. Those young bulls made a mess of the herd because they didn't have the principles, and they didn't have a big bull elephant going, mm, fool, stop. This is your sister. <laughs> we need Mr. Carter. We need Kevin. We, we need Leslie. We need some of these people going in the herd. What y'all doing? Don't treat this boy like he's your husband. He's your brother right now. We need them in the hallways, in the bathroom, in children's church. We need some millennials that are ready to go, ready to go. And we need somebody who say, whoa, whoa, hold on. We don't need a millennial church, and we don't need a church full of old people either. I'm just telling y'all now, we don't need no church full of old people. The music's too loud. No, we... When are you going to preach the word? We want to hear the word. I mean, the word. We want Bible study. We don't need a church full of the elderly who are simply stuck. We don't need either. We need a culture that's full of everybody. Everybody from every age. Everybody from every spectrum of society. I love going to Toronto. I love going to Canada. I don't want to upset you. I love going to Canada. I love going to Canada. Because when you get to Canada, people are just people. America has this way of intentionally splitting people up. I mean, as long as I've been alive, I love going to places where you don't feel that. It's just people. They're just people living their life right next to one another, playing together, working together. I mean, living life. And, but that's the kingdom. And I think we need to accept this new generation because they're just some things they don't care about. They're not stuck. They're not stuck in worlds that some of us are stuck in. So as an older person, you have to come along with them so they can get you unstuck. And younger folks, you need to be with them before you make dumb mistakes that we made. Uh Uh-uh. You know, you can do what you want. But uh, (laughs) I wouldn't do that if I was you. 
well, don't bother me, old man. I think I know what I want to do. And we just go, okay. We don't leave. We just watch. And when you screw up, we don't laugh. We just wait for you to turn around and say, now, what just happened? Well, like I was saying, she was more than what you was looking at, boy. You just couldn't see it. You were thinking with your other brain. <laughs> so you need, you need both. You need a young man that'll say to Freddie, I got to run. And Freddie will say, let me run with you. And you'll say, well, you run too slow. Exactly. <laughs> Because if you run too fast, young man, you're going to get to a place that you're going to run out too early. You're going to make too many decisions too fast. And when it don't work, when I'm talking to it, I'll say, boy, go talk to your mama. Because without both and all generations, and now we got the people in their 40s stuck. Stuck because the tug of war seems to be between the 18 to 24-year-olds and the 50 to 60 to 70-year-olds. And it's really no tug of war. It's really a family or a generation or a church just trying to figure out how do we get to what's next. Do you know there are some 80-year-olds looking for this church right out across? What if we just fill this church with a bunch of young people? What are we saying to our community? What are we saying to our 80, 90-year-olds, our 70-year-olds that live in this community? What are we saying to them? We're saying to them, you don't matter to us. Don't get this screen mixed up. If I ask them back there to turn this thing up to 100%, the old people be like, what? That's a lot. This sound system, if they cranked it, it would weird you out. But the reason we invested is so that everybody, no matter what you sit here, the same thing. So that our elderly, so that our young people, everybody gets a little bit of what they need to flourish in this house. It's just a tool to tell the story. Well, I don't like screens. Give me your phone. <laughs> this is your second one. This is my second one. I'm going to be really quick. So the th uh, this is the, the, the fourth thing. Is this the fourth? Somebody say the fourth. The fourth thing is to know what is STP. Can you say STP? In 1 Kings 2, 1 through 12, what we see is David's about to die. So can you say die? Like he's about to like kick the bucket, croak, however you, uh, where we're from. They say, well, Bill gone up on out of here. Like he's about to get up out of here. He's about to die. Sorry for those of you that don't get that. 1 Kings 2, 1 through 12, on his deathbed, King David starts to speak to his son. Listen to this. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave his charge to his son Solomon. He says, I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. Basically saying that at some point in time, the leadership at any point in time is going to be a thing of the past. Take courage and be a man. He didn't even give him an option. Some of us, we give our kids, we give people too many options to get it right. Some of us, we should just declare it. Just do what I told you to do. Underline this. It's underline the third verse. It says, observe the requirements of the Lord your God. That's the first thing. Second thing, and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and whatever you go, wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to who? Me. David tells his son, he says, if you do what you're supposed to do, God's going to even honor me when I'm not here. Yes, sir. He said, hold to me if your descendants live as they should. And follow, my faith, follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul. One of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. What God is basically talking to us about through the story of David is this. He says, if you can understand honor in your household, your family will rule forever. That's why when we read the word, some people could like make a decision in the word and like the rest of their story is taken care of, right? Because once they make the decision, the rest of their lineage, everything that comes out of them is blessed. So we got to know what is S, T, and P. We got to know what is sacred, what is tradition, and what is our preference. 
I had a really great conversation um, with uh, Bishop McIntosh's wife, uh, Pastor Debbie, and um, me and my dad were having conversations because it's funny. I was talking to Leon and Chris, and they said people at the church just believe that all this stuff happens by angels. <laughs> like, y'all believe that, like, all the chairs, the paint, and the screen, like, somebody just goes oogie boogie and, like, it all shows up. But it takes manpower. So while we were moving things around, we were talking, and um, uh, uh, Pastor Debbie comes out. Me and my dad, we're, we're, we're tugging. We're not fussing. We're, like, we're working on something. You ever been in a heated conversation? We're not arguing. We just got to talk at this level to get through some things. And she comes up to me afterwards and she says, Joshua, you need to make sure that you, don't, that you reserve your energy to build and you, don't, and you don't use all your energy now in the beginning fighting your father. And I was like, that's perfect. So she said, you got to understand what's sacred, what's tradition, what's preference. Write these down. Sacred is don't touch. Don't touch it. What David told Solomon in the third verse, he says, observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways, period. David tells Solomon, he says, there are some things that are sacred that we never touch, we don't have a conversation about. If you even breathe about these things, you are now not just being dishonorable to me, but you're being dishonorable to God. These are what we call our non-negotiables here at AWC. We will always preach the kingdom. We will always preach grace and mercy. But we will always match grace and mercy with this thing called responsibility. God gives grace and mercy. It's always there over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, you are responsible for your life. Another thing that we teach here at Ambassadors Worship Center is that we tithe. That the first 10% of everything that we make isn't even ours anyway. So we give it freely. What David tells Solomon, he says, if you move these things, I can't help you. So sacred means our values, our morals, our convictions, and what the word of God says. The second thing is tradition. If sacred is something that goes on forever, tradition is just the things that we do over and over again until it makes some sense to us. Mm. Some of us, we go to Christmas at grandma's or grandpa's or whatever. You do that over and over and over again. It's not sacred. So if you, don't, if you miss it, you're not like going to die. But we, we do things over and over and over again, and we become comfortable. Can you say comfortable? If sacred things are things that we don't touch then traditional things are things that we have to adjust. This is how we do things. We used to have a service that was three and a half hours. If it wasn't three and a half hours, people like God didn't show up. But now we understand that it's not about how long the service is. It's about how powerful the service is. God can come and sweep through our place like last week in 15 minutes. It doesn't take four hours. So some of the things that you're comfortable with are going to have to change if we want to start catching the fish that God wants to bring here. The way you dress. The way the music sounds, singing in Spanish, singing in different languages. You might not like it, but that brings us to our third. Can you say third? Things are sacred, we don't touch. Things that are tradition, we can adjust. But the third is your preference. Say preference. This is the way that you see things. Honor and respect does not work if you deal with your preference first. Honor honor and respect does not work if you think about how you want to feel in the moment. One thing that Jesus gave us as a commandment is that we're supposed to serve one another. Your preference, you have to do away with because it's the way in which you see it. And if you keep looking through your life through your preferential lens, you'll miss what God's trying to get to you. Man, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Last one for me. Last one for me. We have to expect. Expectation. We, we need to have great expectation for things in the future. Great expectation. Now, if, if, if it's your family, your business, your marriage, whatever you're doing, have expectation regardless of where you are right now. If your marriage is in the trash, have expectation. Because if you don't have expectation, you will not prepare. If you don't, ex- if David, David at 50, 45 or so, David is told you're not going to, You're not going to build it for me. In other words, parents, business leaders, church leaders, understand this. You will never get it done. What you're dreaming, you're not going to see it. I know that's hard. But if you don't think, if you think you're going to see it, then you won't prepare for what's next. If you think you're going to get this done, you're not going to leave a savings account for your children. Because David knew he wasn't going to build it. He wasn't going to finish it. He prepared four things. He prepared paper, people, 
process and plans. That's what those scriptures I just read to you meant. If you read the 23rd chapter, if you read all these chapters, you'll you'll find out that David, let me see, because I listed them for you. These are your notes, Josh. Are they still in here? He prepared, he prepared the Levites, he prepared the prophets, he prepared the army in its divisions, he prepared the generals, and he prepared the overseers and the gatekeepers. He prepared all of them. He prepared the paper. The paper means money. He laid aside in today's money trillions of dollars worth of gold, silver, trees, everything. He put it aside knowing that he wasn't going to build. He knew that there would be someone else to finish what he saw. And I know absolutely, I know absolutely, people ask me, so what's going to happen to us next, Pastor? I can tell you what's next. You just wait from a year from now. You're not going to know this church. With these people who are coming up, if we do this right, the people that is coming around the table, the people we're hiring, the people that are absorbing in our congregation, you're not going to recognize our impact and our influence and how we're blessing people. It's going to be simply amazing. But we don't want them worried about paper. We don't want them worried about money. We don't want them worried about that. They're going to be thinking about something else. So we got to prepare the paper. Say the paper. And I'm glad to tell you the paper is prepared. Regardless of what's happening out there, the budgets, no no matter what is going on at Kaplan Space, regardless of what's going on anywhere, the paper is ready. The leadership of this house, the elders, the board, they have prepared over the years for what's coming next. Praise God. We've got to prepare. We've got to prepare not just the plant, I mean, not just the paper, but we've also got to prepare the people, the community. Solomon, that Solomon could live in, that this new generation can thrive in. We have to get our people ready. We have to get our processes ready. I can't tell you over the years, starting with Leslie and Pastor Linnell, and then other people in Pastor Linnell, and while Heather was here with Pastor Linnell, just writing, writing policies, procedures, putting them in order, putting stuff so that now, no matter what you do, we have, we, we, we have a process for folding paper clips. Just exaggerating. But a process to do everything. Are some of them going to change? Absolutely. The next generation will change them. But what if they had none? No processes. No, we don't know how to do anything right here. They got to start over. All that's being prepared. Does that make sense? And the plan. So listen to me here now. Listen to me. David walked up to Solomon and he said to Solomon, here are the architectural plans to this temple. Here they are. Solomon didn't say, well, Lord, well, Dad, I'm going to go pray to God to get a, a, a vision for what the temple should look like. Right. What? Right. You don't need a vision for what the temple needs to look like. You may put the stones together differently with different machinery or architectural or engineering, but it's the same stone. We is a kingdom church. Now, okay, let me just go there for two seconds. Not really interested in being some cookie cutter, grayed out thinking kind of church. Move them in, move them out, rawhide. That is not what we're doing here. Well, the culture says we got to do it. Bump the culture. We're not doing that. We got five services and 3,000 people coming. Do they know Jesus? I mean, do they know how to worship? Do they know how to love when they leave? Do they know who they are? What's the calling on their life? What's the vision God's given them? Are they growing in Christ? Well, we don't know. We don't know. We had 10 minutes of songs and 20 minutes of preaching, and we let them go. That's not, and if you ignore the plans, all the blessing goes with the plans. So now we just want to be like everybody else. I give thanks to God for what he's doing at other places. But this house... This house is about kingdom and developing people who can go into the world and make a difference. So if you are tired of the pressure and tired of people asking what's going on in your life, are you growing, Alex? Are you serving God? Are you praying? Are you reaching out to God? That's not going to change. The day I walk up in here from traveling, 
and come back up in here and y'all just happy, tappy Christians? Yeah, you're good, I'm good. Nobody growing, no classes to help people stretch, nothing to make people grow up, nothing to put pressure on people's lives. I'm coming up in the pulpit. I don't care who's here. I am the apostle of this house. I'm coming up here, and I'm going to ask y'all, what the heck are y'all doing? Well, I'm leaving. You already left when your mindset wasn't with us. Something's got to happen in people's lives, not just knowing Jesus. Jesus. Can I tell you something? Everybody knows Jesus. Beyonce prays to Jesus before she starts cussing. Everybody loves Jesus. The boy who told me he would hang me in my front yard as a child was a deacon in the Baptist church. Everybody loves Jesus. Are you changing? Are you growing? Where's the pressure? Who can tell you what is wrong with you? Are you growing up? God, well, God's going to give me a million dollars. Not until we train you on how to use a dime. There's got to be a house in this city where some people come and they want to grow. They want to change. They want something better. They do want to start a business and they're willing to pay the price to do it right. They want to get married and they're willing to pay the price to do it right. They want to be successful, but they want to be in a place where they can do it right. That's got to be this house because all the other houses are going away. All the other houses that are stand are going away. They're melting away. I'm in meetings with pastors and I'm trying to figure out what are we doing? What are we doing now? Well, people just have to feel. Listen, if, okay, if you build something where everybody's comfortable, you know what you got? Nothing. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing that's going to do nothing for nobody. Well, I don't want all that in my life. I don't need all that in my life. I don't need pressure at every sermon. I don't, let me tell you what happens. Once you leave the pressure, something starts happening to you. You don't realize that you were, you were, in, a, you were in a boat going somewhere. Now you're not in a boat at all. Week by week, you see yourself stepping back. You were cursing before and you got saved. Now you're cursing now. Now you're drinking. Now you're not at home. You're not even with your wife or your kids. Slowly but slowly, you start to drift away. In this place, there's pressure. There's pressure on your life. You know when you're going off course because you come in here, not just me, but somebody says, how you doing? Where you been? I smell something on you. Who you been hanging out with? What's going on with your life? Are you still serving God? That's how we change. Ambassadors Worship Center, you got to stay with the plan. Make it look different. Put a screen up. I don't give a rip. Put a sound system in. But stay with the plan. Well, are you retiring? Are you retiring and it's all going to be in his hands? Listen. Listen. I don't retire. Kings never retire. I have built a space for me at another level so that these people can take over. But I ain't going nowhere. Shoot. Hey, I don't, I don't got a point. Go ahead. We need, we need Eddie Franklin to stand up. Come on. We need Leslie to stand up. We need young people to stand up, Millie. Stay in the fight for this house. It's time to do it, Josh. Give me, give me the thing, Lamont. It's your show. Talk to me. Talk to me. Y'all sit down for a minute. We, 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 we might get it done. You're so dope. Oh, my God. Oh, my mic is on. I'm, I, I refuse. I, I, I refuse. I, I, I refuse, Matthew. I refuse to leave little Evie on her own. Without some people like us standing there saying, don't you mess with her. Don't mess with this child or you got to deal with us. Come on. It ain't what it seems. 
Uh, you left me, Lamont. I got you. It ain't what it seems. Okay. It ain't what it seems. So, so watch this now. Watch this. Come closer. Okay. Thank you, Father. It looks like we're getting ready to war. And the objective is to get the flag on my side. The reason we're doing this is so that I can win. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's getting ready to try to pull me over to his side. Daddy, from my millennial view, this is what it looks like. And I'm over here, mm-mm, boy. From my view, this is what it looks like. And we're going to war till we get it right. If you win or I win, somebody's got to win. That's not it. We have a vision that's on the floor. You teaching, Doc. When oh we don't agree. <laughs> when we don't agree, when you're giving that child a hard time because he's in the hallway walking in with skinny jeans Come on. and a T-shirt and a cap and a tattoo. Come on. We're not, we're not fighting one another. We have a vision that's on the ground. Come on, yeah. And if I add tension from my side, and if he adds tension from his side, ah, yes! the vision comes off the floor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so pull, Josh, pull. When we're pulling, we're ensuring that the Thank stability you, of the vision is tight. I'm not fighting him. I ain't got to fight Rebecca. She's my daughter in this house. Come on, come on, come on, come on. But I expect her to pull. Come on. I need resistance for this to stand. I need somebody on the other side that's saying, you know what? I'm going to run with this. I'm going to run with this yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm going to run with this thing. And yeah. then I can say, run, run. Just run with it. As he's running with it, he feels me. Now. Here's what they say about millennials. They never listen to nobody. They're dishonorable. They don't like to spend money. They want to watch on their phone. So I get stuck in my 60-year-old head, and I decide, as he's pulling, I'm just going to drop it. I'm leaving. I don't want to deal with no millennials. Come on. These new ideas, new colors on the wall, new all this stuff, I'm done. What happens to the vision? It drops. Come on. What happens to the children we love? to our young preachers. Come here, Caleb. Lift your hands up. What happens to our young preachers yeah, that yeah, don't yeah, look yeah, nothing yeah. like us? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, got yeah. long hair and beard. Come on. What happens? Looking like Jesus on the map on the wall. I mean, some of y'all's Jesus. That's tough. What happens now? What happens? Pastor, can I show you? Can I show you? Go ahead. What happens? Caleb, watch this. Watch this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The same thing that I dropped from is going to be the same thing that picks me up. So as we begin to honor and respect, can you come, Caleb, and help Pastor? Pastor doesn't have to waste time to come to me. They can grab the vision of this house. Can you both grab? Yep. And with both of their strength. Hey, that's nice. Hey, give me some. You get that? Where'd you get that from? Your mama? With both yeah. of their strength, the original plan yes. of our church is what brings us up. Exactly. So you never use your words to hurt somebody. You use the vision to bring them back blessing. to where they're supposed to be. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's it. so good. That's it. In, the, in this room, in this room right now, in this room right now, lift your hand if you used to lead our children's ministry. Yeah. You used to lead it. Look at these hands. Youth. Children, pastors right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leron Henderson, you get what I'm saying? Heather. Yeah. You see these hands? Yeah, Miss Mitchell, yeah. Who see passed you. it on, Karen? Stacey, who see passed you. it on to the next generation and picked another level in the church and kept serving? Right. It's holding this vision together. Okay, Jesus, take your seat. I'll call you in a minute. The benediction's hey, coming. Watch this now. The millennials say, the millennials say, while, we, while, while us, we're holding things steady. We're making sure there's money in the coffers. We're making sure no one tears the building down while young people are running up. Come on. Come on. And now the millennials say, these old people, 
Their plans are, they're, 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 they're old, they're, they're antiquated, they're, they're whatever together. And now they decide to just drop out. I'm going somewhere else where they treat us better. What happens to us? If he drops the vision, it's over for us too. Now you're really going to have to help me on this side. No, I got you. <laughs> Anybody want to help? Because this is what it's going to take. Because I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. Come on. It's going to collaboration. All right, so on the count of three, I need you to help me out. Okay, 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 okay. Now don't two, pull two. Y'all, y'all scrum. Oh, Here Adrian, now. Be, One, be careful two, there, Doc. Okay. Thank y'all. So let me, let me finish. Let me finish. So this vision, as long as we have tension on both ends, it flies. You can't check out on us now, Mama. You can't leave us now. You got too much history. Too much. You know too much about God. These kids, they don't know a lot of stuff about God yet. They don't know yet. They feel it. Come on. But they don't have that experience. Have experience. Come on, Pastor. So, Mama, we got to let them feel. Come on. We're here. Even when they're running. They can't tell us they're afraid. We just have to stand here. Go, go ahead and buy you some skinny jeans. You can be skinny on the bottom and big up top. It ain't no problem. <laughs> ain't nobody going to laugh. <laughs> I wrote him, so I'm not out there. But I love T.D. Jakes. I wrote him and I said, T.D. Jakes, you bad. Real skinny. He don't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> So now, so now what we have to do, we got to go. Now what we have to do is we have to keep tension on this. If both of us walk away, vision falls. Right. If the next walks away and we walk away, vision falls. So what we need, we need some people who are thinking, Pastor, we know what God can do. We've seen him. We know what's coming next. We can expect things. We need some of those people to come and join and just hold the rope. We need some people that they may be 30, 40, 60, or 80 years old. And they're just like so excited about our future. They're like, they're like, Pastor, I can see it. I can even see my part better. Yeah. We need them to come and join on the side of where we're going. We need some people to join on the side of holding it down. I'm here. I'm here. Feel me. I'm here. If they talk about your son, just make it home. Just make it home. Daddy, they would talk about me at school. Son, you're at home now. You're at home now, sweetheart. You're at home now. Me and your mama, we don't care nothing about what they're saying. We only want you to hear our voice. You're the biggest, baddest thing in that school. Keep control of yourself. Who can bully God and God is in you? It don't matter, son. It don't matter what they're saying about this church. It doesn't matter what they're saying about your inexperience. Lean on me. I got you. I got you. It don't matter where you go. I got you. It don't matter what you do. I got you. Who will join? Who will join the side that says, I'm staying, pastor? I'm here because the future's big. I'm here because the future is big. You're over there saying, Pastor, I can see what's coming next. Come on. I can see the power of what's happening. Come on. Come on and grab the rope. It's not a tug. It's keeping the vision tight. It's keeping the vision tight. It's keeping the vision off the floor. It's keeping the vision out of the trash. When our young men, when our young men are on the football field, on the basketball court, in the swimming pool, and in classes at Peru, and Midlands, and University of Nebraska, we want them to know you got a home, baby. Somebody's standing for you. You may not hear from them all the time, but we got you. We're going to hold this up until everybody's safe. 
We're going to keep this vision alive for the next generation and the generation after that. Come on, join us. Come on, join us. Come on, join us. Men, women, boys, girls. It don't matter how you think. You're part of this house. Move out of the way. Come up front with me. David said to Solomon, Know the God of your father. Teach your children. I don't want you to have to catch up, Caleb, Ethan, Seth. I want you to just know my God. Know the God that brought me through. Know the God that helped me. I want you to know him. In that way, you don't start over. You don't have to start over. Tell your kids if they're with you. You don't have to start over, baby. You don't have to start over. Let me introduce you to the God that brought us out. Say this with me and I'll let Josh end. It's not as it seems. There's no fight here. There's no tug of war. We're just trying to find the best way to keep this vision off the floor. That's all we're doing. And God is helping us. Give me a little tension, folks. Just a little tension on this room. So now, stand behind this, Josh. On the other side. Go underneath. Now, put both hands on it, Josh. Right above the vision. Now I want you to push down, Josh. When trouble comes against the vision, when issues start to happen, see, no stress. They're smiling. You don't stress either. You got people who know what to do in trouble. You got people who've been through hell and back. They know how to believe God. They'll hold the generation up. Come here, Rebecca. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. They'll hold the generation up. They'll hold the generation up. Push down. They know how to hold the generation up. They know how to hold the vision up. We know how to do that. End us, Josh.